0: With us today, we are here to support and to uh um celebrate the success of one of our own homeschooled teen, Christopher Paolini, who is the author of Aragon. Uh Aragon is currently number one on the bestseller list, beating out the Harry Potter books. And uh, many of <laughs> many of you have seen Christopher on the uh, David Letterman show and the Jay Leno show. And, Christopher, I'm going to give a quick bio of you, and if I get any facts incorrect, please feel free to chime in and give us the, the true scoop. Okay. So I understand that you started writing Aragon when you were about 15, That it took you first a year for the first draft, and that you then uh, showed that draft to your mother wrote it to your father and said, Boy, this is, this is pretty awesome. We might want to think about self-publishing this. Mm-hmm. And that you then went out on the road with your father dressed in Renaissance clothing, speaking at different uh, schools around the country, and that uh, an author from Knopf Publishing uh, read a copy of Aragon, was so impressed that he contacted his uh, editor there at Knopf and said, boy, you got to read this book, and that you then received a three-book advance from Knopf. Uh, went out on book tours, promoted the book, got it up to number one on the bestseller list, and have now sold the movie rights
1: to Aragon. Correct. Actually, uh, interestingly enough, the author Carl Hiaasen, who discovered Aragon here in Montana, uh, it actually wasn't him. It wasn't him specifically, or he specifically that discovered the book. It was his uh, 12-year-old stepson Ryan, who got a copy of Aragon in a local bookstore and uh, read it and loved it so much that his dad ended up recommending it to his editor. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, readers really can change the world. That's wonderful. Um, Christopher,
0: I'm gonna, we're going to go into, um, does anyone have any quick questions before we go into lecture mode? Everybody okay? Yes. I have a
2: question.
0: Okay. 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 I, I heard one person say you have a quick question. Go ahead and speak loudly.
2: Yeah, um.
0: Now there we go. Thank you for muting out that noise. Perfect.
2: How would I be able to get you to sign my copy of Aragon?
0: Because it was one of the best books I've ever read. <laughs>
1: That's
0: an excellent question.
1: It's an excellent question. Um, well, I the best way to do it would be to send the book to directly to Knopf Random House and uh, explain that you would like the book signed to me, and then they will forward the book uh to um wherever I happen to be, probably my home. And I'll be more than happy to sign it for you. And then it'll get shipped back to you. Excuse me. Uh sure.
2: Uh what inspired you to write the book Aragon?
1: Oh boy, big question. I
3: was gonna ask him that. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: well I wanted to write a you know, the sort of story that I would enjoy reading myself. Um This is, uh, you know, I love reading, as I'm sure many of you do as well, and more specifically, I love reading fantasy in all its different uh, permutations, everything from folklore to myths and legends and, you know, Anne McCaffrey, the Mossflower books, uh, David Eddings, Magician by Raymond E. Feist, and many, many others. So Aragon, for me, was a chance to write the sort of story that I loved reading and try to try to make it even better, if that was possible. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you. I hear
0: someone is typing on the background. If you if you would be so kind to uh, push the moot button on your phone or do star six, that will help us with that.
4: Oh, you already How do did you so. Feel thank about- you. Oh, I'm sorry. How do you feel about comparisons uh, that are drawn with uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy?
1: That's a uh, bunch. Was of... that
4: your inspiration at all, or?
1: uh well, I was certainly inspired by Tolkien. Uh, although I think I was more inspired by the book uh, Magician by Raymond E. Feist. Uh, I find comparisons with Tolkien very flattering. Uh, <laughs> to yeah, even, I would think. Uh... To be even be in his in his league is is really an extraordinary thing, uh, especially at my age. So, uh, you know, I I wanted to play in the sort of world that Tolkien and other fantasy writers wrote about and which existed before Tolkien as well. <clears throat> so, uh, you know, I'm no, I'm I'm very flattered by those comparisons.
2: Oh, I have a question.
1: Sure.
2: Um, are you um Christian or Catholic?
1: Yes. <laughs> Well, you know, my mommy always told me to never talk about religion and politics. <laughs> and you know what? I always do what my mommy tells me to.
4: Good smart answer, boy. smart boy. <laughs>
1: Christopher, did you ever, in your
0: wildest dreams, believe that you would one day? Uh, at, are you 20 years old now?
1: Yes. Did you ever
0: believe, think that by 20 years old you would have a book on the bestseller list and that's
1: going to be made into a movie? Never. <laughs> Absolutely never. Uh, when I was quite a bit younger. I would spend all my time, well, all the time I was supposed to be working on math and stuff like that. Uh, I'd spend <laughs> at, uh, daydreaming excuse me, excuse about me. the things that I would rather be excuse doing me. instead. <laughs> Hold up for a minute. Sure. Oh, okay. Uh-uh. Um, you know the various adventures I'd want, I wanted to be doing. And I always thought that when I grew up and when I reached uh, the ripe old age of twenty, that I'd be off having adventures around the world, you know, fighting monster with, monsters with swords and uh, rescuing beautiful princesses and and all of that.
3: And uh, the amazing
1: thing is, is that by writing my book, I've actually ended up having a fair number of adventures through that. That's wonderful. You know, so
0: many times Christopher, they um the media will talk about someone like you and they'll call you an overnight success. <laughs> but really, I mean, you've been working on this rather diligently since you were 15, is that correct?
1: Yeah, it's a quarter of my entire life.
0: Yeah. <laughs> really in comparison, so you would not call yourself an overnight success.
1: No, I mean I've even though Aragon has certainly become a success, and I achieved that success at a younger age than many authors. I've been working at this as long as many authors do before they reach success. Uh, I, I mean, I spent a year for the first draft of Aragon, a, a second year for the second draft, a third year to revise and edit the book and draw the original cover and the map for the book. A fourth year to market the book around the country with a self published version of the book uh a fifth year which was last year to again edit the book with Random House and then to market the book um that version of the book and now this is I mean we're into the sixth year now Thanks and to here I am working you had on that time
0: available to you otherwise you never would have been able to dedicate that time or even have it available uh
1: excuse me, say that again
0: I said thankfully to. Uh, that you were homeschooled, you never, otherwise you never would have had that time available to you to do that work and pursue that passion.
1: Yeah, uh, I I credit two things with, with two main things for the success. I mean, what I was able to do. The first, of course, is my parents, and the second is the fact that I was homeschooled. And I'm not saying that uh, it's necessarily a more a, a better education in, pub- in, in being homeschooled as opposed to in public schools. Uh, But one direct benefit, at least for me, was the fact that I did have uh, a huge amount of free time once I graduated. And if I'd been in regular high school, of course, I would have had most of my time would have been occupied with, you know, other activities. Now, you can't write a book unless you have the time to write a book.
2: I have a real quick question. Sure. Me and my friend are writing a book together. We've been writing a book, and I wanted to know if you had any tips.
5: Ooh. That's uh, an well, excellent th- question. What kind of a book is it?
2: Well, mine is uh, my friends is about the what, what period? The, Cretace- the Cretaceous period, and mine is more of like a fantasy animal kind of mm-hmm. thing, like Redwall.
1: Okay. Well. It- writing advice is, is hard to give of course because it's a very personal it's a very personal exercise but i would say that three things are very important one you have to write about what you love the most about what touches you the most because writing a book is is a very long and a very hard process i don't mean to discourage anyone but it it's the honest truth and by writing about what you love about love the most, it helps keep you inspired and consistent throughout your endeavor. Uh, the, the second piece of advice would be to learn everything you can about the English language. Uh, it's the tools of the trade. So, you know, figuring out what gerunds are and uh, dangling participles and all the little niggling aspects of grammar. That will save you a lot of pain in editing. And then, of course, the third thing is to find someone who can edit your work. Um, you can only get become a better writer by lear- by learning what you've done wrong. And a good editor, and it doesn't even have to be someone formally trained in editing. It can be someone who reads a lot and appreciates the genre and understands how it should work. A good editor can tell you what you've done wrong and oftentimes how to fix it. Yes, sir. So those three things have have helped me a huge amount with my writing, and i <laughs> they're about all I know about writing. Thank you very much. Thank,
4: Thank you. So I have a, a couple of questions, if I may. Uh, were you homeschooled throughout?
1: Yes, I was homeschooled my entire life. My mother was a trained Montessori teacher, and so she started educating my sister and me when, starting when we were born, and we ended up getting several grades ahead by the time we were old enough for first grade in public school. And because our birthdays are also late in the year, that means we would have been dropped back an additional grade uh, in addition to the ones we were already ahead. So all those elements combined to convince my mom and my dad that they didn't want to hold us back and that they were willing to make the sacrifice to educate us at home.
3: Uh, However,
1: when we reached high school... My sister and I were enrolled in an accredited distance learning high school called American School, uh, which is fully accredited uh, with all the universities and colleges, sure. <clears throat> and we, we went through their course material then for high school and ended up getting a, a, a regular diploma that way.
4: Ah, so when you speak of uh, learning uh, English, uh, you know, a good command of the English language, uh, you did follow a set curriculum from a school, and do you recall what that was?
1: Uh, Well, we only followed a set curriculum uh, once we were in high school. Uh And that, as I mentioned, that school is called American School. It's actually over 100 years old, and a lot of people who travel, uh, diplomats, celebrities, uh, use it for their children because uh you can you can work on it anywhere uh you know a good command of the English language is uh, i think it's it's dependent on reading a lot uh which my parents were very insistent on uh writing of course, and uh just taking a joy in words uh, in fact, I just learned a new word today when I was writing on on book two eldest i uh, I came across a word now what was the, what was the word uh, Bum, uh, a bum rate. Uh, oh, I can't even remember <laughs> it now. But it meant shadowed and obscure, and it was a very interesting word. Christopher, how structured were you in your homeschooling? Well, it it varied. When it, it got it became our education became more and more structured the older we became. Uh, when my sister and I were very young, mom presented our our lessons, if you will, as she presented it as play. She made it fun. Uh, So there were all sorts of projects that we did, uh, physical projects. Uh, It might be anything from uh, counting (laughs) counting pasta or doing finger painting or uh, watching an interesting video from the library on plants or animals, uh, sounding out phonics. Whatever she did, she made it fun. And it it was fairly unstructured, although she made sure that we worked at it quite regularly. Quite regularly, uh, But then as we got older, and of course the subjects became more complex uh, than leading into high school, uh, we, the, our education became more, more regimented.
0: But you did graduate when you were 15, is that correct?
1: Oh, yes. And in fact, my sister was so determined to, <laughs> to beat me that she graduated at 14.
0: <laughs> How many hours a day did it take you um, to graduate at 15 and your sister at 14?
1: uh i i mean well it really only took me the the usual four years to go through high school Uh, i just managed to start earlier than most people because uh, you know working at home we didn't take for example summer breaks every year Uh, we'd take breaks when we needed to and when we felt like it but there weren't you know uh, many many months taken off each year
0: have you found that homeschooling seems to be quite a bit faster than classroom learning and that it takes less time in the to accomplish more?
1: Well, one, you don't have to spend a lot of time running from one classroom to the next. Uh, that in and of itself saves time. Uh, you know, for me, the biggest advantage, one of the biggest advantages of homeschooling uh, was being able to concentrate on the subjects that I was interested in. Uh, I mean, there are certain base Got subjects. Got it! Uh, there are certain base subjects that you have to be, acquainted. everyone has to be acquainted with, you know, math, language, reading, writing, geography, history, that sort of stuff. Uh, but then homeschooling allows you then to explore whatever you might be interested beyond that
0: were you a TV free family or a video game family <laughs> actually we
1: we did not have television growing up and it wasn't through no. any conscious choice it was because we live in an area where because of the way the landscape is shaped we don't get television reception so very good however we did watch movies we would watch uh, we would watch a movie a night and mom and dad actually considered that as important as education in books or literature or your music, and we've been doing that for oh for a long time now so we'll i mean every evening we'll gather around the television and have dinner and and watch a movie
0: any particular type of movie
1: oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's see. In I mean, lab, were they
0: all educational shows, or were they just a variety of, you know, some Disney, some educational, some
1: adventure? Complete variety. I mean, we, uh, okay, I'll give you an example. In the past three days, we have watched The Simpsons.
0: Uh,
1: we watched The Simpsons. We went from The Simpsons to Bulletproof Monk to People Will Talk with Cary Grant.
0: Oh, very highbrow.
1: I mean, so it, it 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 varies from day to day. I mean, one day we might watch an extremely obscure '70s martial arts flick starring Jack, Jackie Chan, and the next day it might be um, you know it might be all about Eve or something.
0: What so type varies. of support did you have from your family that you attribute to your success? And what can we learn from that? And
1: what type of su- support can we show our homeschool children? Well, family. Fa- In our family, at least, family comes first. Family is everything. Uh, I would not be talking to you right now uh, without family. Aragon would not be published without the support of my parents. Uh, As I said, my mom and dad were very supportive of whatever we showed an interest in. If we wanted to paint, if we wanted to write, if we wanted to... Whatever we wanted to do, they tried to make it possible so that we could explore that interest. You're lucky. Um, I am. I'm extremely lucky. And... And the amazing thing is when I handed the manuscript of Aragon over to Mom and Dad, they made the decision, and it still kind of stuns me that they had the courage to make this decision. They decided to put the entire family business behind Aragon. And, I mean, they spent an entire year working on the book to get it ready for publication, and during that year they didn't make any other money that they might have made from other financial ventures. And then they they took the book on the road and with me, and I'll tell you, I mean, we <laughs> to use the cliche, you know, we bet the farm on it. And if Aragon had taken another few months to start turning a profit, we were going to, going to have to, you know, sell the house, move to a city, get regular jobs. Uh, so it was it was. I mean, I I owe everything to my family. Your Financial
0: were- success made a big difference in. Excuse me. Has the
1: financial success of your project made a big difference in your life? Well, it uh I'll tell you the biggest difference is you don't have as much anxiety. And that's that's nice. That's as far as says one last thing to worry difference.
3: about?
1: <laughs> yeah, but as far as things have actually changed at home, uh you know, my our my our family life is pretty much the same.
2: I, I have a quick
0: question. an Oh. <laughs> Go
4: ahead. <laughs>
0: Please, go ahead. I decided not to put us into lecture mode because you all have such wonderful manners.
4: <laughs> so go <laughs> ahead and on, uh, on the comparisons with Tolkien again, uh, let me ask you, uh, it, this cannot be considered in any way an allegory, Christian or otherwise, you know, uh, to, to, to modern-day themes, or what do you think about that? Uh,
1: well, good question. Uh, you know, a number of authors used, have used fantasy to... Uh, as an allegory, or as a, a Christian or other, otherwise. I'm thinking of uh, C.S. Lewis here, uh, Tolkien. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the opposite end, end of the spectrum, you have uh, Philip Pullman. Oh, I love Philip
2: Pullman. Uh,
1: excuse me? I
2: love Philip Pullman. He's awesome.
1: Oh, yeah. My favorite book is
2: dark materials.
1: Yeah, I actually I almost got to meet him when I was in Britain.
4: That's yeah. so cool. Um, Did you meet
1: but, um, but anyway, the, when I wrote Aragon, though, I didn't try to reference or reference the real world in any way. I set out to com- to try and create a completely self-contained world and within that world then to explore the same the, the issues that we all deal with, you know, life, death, the universe, why are we here, what are we doing, how can we live honorably and justly? And, and hopefully then Book two and book three w- are, will explore these issues in greater depth, and uh, as Aragon continues to, to learn and to grow. Mm-hmm. But uh, I didn't make the book a specific allegory for any any specific thing in the re- in the real world.
2: Okay.
1: Do you think that by homeschooling, you missed out on like a lot of the normal
2: teenage times, like high school life, you know, all that?
1: Yeah, right. Well, from what yeah, I've heard, was... it's, I'm not sure. It's. it's I'm not, sh- I- I'm not sure if it's that bad of a thing to miss out on. <laughs> I don't
2: know, because, I mean, last year I, sp- I had to be homeschooled because I was sick, mm-hmm. and I couldn't go to school, and I missed out on all my friends and everything that goes along with it. I was just completely bummed out, you know, just sitting at home mm-hmm. and, like, just learning. And it wasn't the same, you know. Do you ever
1: feel that you missed out on something? Well, it's hard to miss something you've never experienced. That's true. Uh, on the other hand, yes, uh, it was I guess you could term it fairly lonely, especially considering that we live in a pretty remote area of Montana. Uh, If any of you have ever seen the movie A River Runs Through It with Robert Redford, that was filmed about five miles from my house. Wow, wow. Uh, My sister and I did have some friends from the local uh, homeschooling group in Livingston, Montana, and uh, I still have some friends from that. But, um, you know... Being in a growing up in an area where there's a lot of room to run out, run outside. There, there's no television. Uh, there aren't too many people around. It forces you to come up with ways to entertain yourself. You, I mean, it's it's almost like when you read Tom Sawyer or something. Yeah, Tom Sawyer or something. You know. Can
0: I have your passport, please?
1: You, you know, you run up and down the river with a slingshot. You create games. You write stories. Uh, you know, you find ways to entertain yourself.
5: Yeah. Um, do you know Amy Carter?
1: Uh it's possible but the name's not ringing a bell right now.
5: The author of Phoenix Ashes?
1: Oh, no, I don't. Oh, uh, um
5: are you this summer are you going to like a writers convention or something? It's I like am. I'm event. going to be
1: speaking at the writers convention in Maui, which is pretty <laughs> awesome.
5: Will you be giving autographs that was just i
1: Oh, I'm yeah, I I I will sign anything people bring me. Well, um, so <laughs> if
5: he's going to be in California anytime?
1: Uh, No, no. How about Florida? Nah, unfortunately, not. My my schedule is listed on the official Aragon site, which is Allegasia.com, and that's that's listed in the back of all the Aragon books.
5: If Amy gives you um, to ask you to sign something for Jared, will you do that for her? Sure.
1: If she bring if I'm if I'm there and she comes, and I'd be more than happy to.
5: Uh, did you meet J.K. Rowling by any chance? <laughs>
1: No, you know, I have a feeling that meeting J.K. Rowling is harder than meeting the Queen of England. Uh, but I would love to meet her sometime. I think, what's, I think it's uh, great what she's done to encourage reading uh, in, across the country.
5: Um, I have one more question for you. Sure. Um, I, I'm 16 right now, but mm-hmm. I've been writing a book since I'm 13. <laughs> uh, but I've been changing the plot around like about 500 times. Uh do you have and I like finished the book and then I didn't like it and I want to start over but I had writer's block. Do you have any advice for me here? Oh man, going back and writing something back in a book or
1: trying to fix something back in the book is one of the hardest things for me to do. Uh personally I cannot read Aragon. It is torture for me to read. Uh I can't imagine a worse thing that I could that I could do aside from getting a root canal without anesthesia. <laughs> Uh, As far as the plot problem, yeah. I tried to write several stories before Aragon, and they all flatlined after about five or six pages, uh, mainly because I didn't know what happened next. So yeah, before that's I, the problem I have. Right. But so before I started Aragon, I I spent an entire month plot and I and I plotted out all of Aragon and the two sequels.
5: How did you do that? Like, how did you how do you plot your book? <laughs> like well, there's a, there's,
1: I, I go by a very simple rule. You start the story when your hero or heroine's life begins know. to change. Uh, if I'd started Aragon two weeks before he finds the fear egg, that wouldn't be very exciting. You know, you're reading about him working on the farm and meeting his friends, and, you know, it's boring stuff. So you start the story when your hero's life starts to change. No, no. And then all you do is you ask... And then, yeah. And then what? What then? What happens next? Um. And that's all I did. I I just kept asking, what then? What next? And that led me through the story.
3: Do you uh, know so how I've known since it?
1: I I've known since I started Aragon what ah. uh what what the third book was going to be about and how the whole trilogy was going to wrap up. Mm-hmm. And how knowing that gives you a, a certain sense of security. Right. Did
0: you already
2: talk about that, or how is your work going with Eldest?
1: Oh, it's going its going great. It's going wonderfully. Uh, uh, of course, there's days when I think it's absolutely horrible, uh, but today isn't one of those days. Excuse me.
2: Do, do you know about, do you know, maybe next year it's going to be out, or is there a date?
1: Yes. Uh, Eldest is scheduled to be in, in the bookstores in fall next year. Excuse
2: so me real quick. Fall. Is that fall 2004, Christopher?
1: <laughs> Excuse me? Fall of two thousand four? Uh two thousand five.
0: Fall of two thousand
1: five. Yes, next year. So I and I have to say they are publishing the book whether or not I actually have it finished.
0: <laughs> that's right. So you're under some pressure.
1: That's right, that's right. Oh, I should mention earlier, um, the question about whether or not we had television at home. Uh even though you know, we didn't have reception and we, we did watch movies. That's not to say we didn't play video games. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually not video games, computer games.
6: Uh huh?
1: I have to I have to admit, I am rather addicted to computer games.
6: (laughs) I have a question about that. (laughs) Sure. Okay, um, uh, video games has grown so much because of your age. I'm 26, you're 20, so we both started right when Nintendo came out, and it's grown to such a mountain of a genre that I really feel like the Harry Potter games completely destroyed another market that could have been completely, you know, fired from... (laughs) <laughs> that thing. So have, has anybody approached you like Squaresoft Enix or EA um, about that? Uh, and if um, so, please choose the Final Fantasy staff from Squaresoft Enix, because I don't want your bo- your game to look like Guard or, you know. <laughs>
1: right. Well, um, let's see. I, I have to be very, very careful here, because I'm not sure how much I can actually say. Squaresoft uh, Enix.
6: That's all you have to say.
1: Uh, all I, but I can say that there has been... Some substantial interest in in the having a video game made for Aragon, yeah and i will have I will have um a large say in how that is shaped, and because yep. I have grown up playing video games, I'll try and make sure that it's a an interesting game right what
4: about, what about a movie
1: uh as I mentioned before, there is an Aragon movie scheduled to be released Christmas in two thousand five uh, assuming they can get it done in that time
4: which you know, I, I think um, they've
6: got a good chance of.
4: We are so looking you forward to that. Question me too, me too. I game. think it'll be
6: a good movie.
0: You you
6: know, I have a one one thing I thought you did very, very well is when Aragorn's mentor dies and is encased in the crystal palace or crystal spire on top of the mountain, um, I think you did a really good job in kind of closing off yes. the door to all of the old ways Tolkien and the rest of them wrote in the generation before, and it kind of opened up to a whole new world that you did encapsulate. Because I've read so many books and they all seem repetitive. And I think that's that was just an amazing thing you did.
1: Thank you. I've I never thought of it quite in that manner, but I, uh-huh. I like the I like the symbology. Yeah.
0: Excuse me. Yes, mm-hmm. please go ahead.
2: Thank you. Uh will you write any other books besides the Aragon series?
1: Yes. Uh, I actually have about twenty or thirty novels completely plotted out, uh beyond Woo! the trilogy.
3: Which makes my
1: which makes my agent very happy. So, uh, and they're not just fantasy. There's also science fiction and mystery and thrillers and horrors and all sorts of interesting uh, genres. So hopefully I'll get a chance to write them all. Thank you. Thank Christopher, you.
0: the U.S. Census Bureau estimates that there will eventually be 60 million homeschoolers, but right now homeschooling can still be controversial. I assume you must have had um, quite a bit of media coaching for your appearances at the David Letterman Show and the Jay Leto Show. Were you ever <laughs> advised uh, not to say that you were a homeschooler?
1: Never, never. Uh, it's actually, it's never really been a point of controversy for me personally. It has not been a big deal at all? No, it's not been a big deal, although, I mean, certainly it, it's people have found it very interesting. It actually, I found it was a bigger deal over in Britain, uh, because their school system is much more, uh, much stricter than ours, and very, very few people homeschool over there. Uh, so they found it quite an oddity. But um, no, I mean, I haven't run into any problems with it, and uh, you know, people have been very open and very understanding. Although sometimes Liar I've had question. to explain that, no, I didn't get a GED. It was, you know, I did get uh, a real diploma.
0: Can you give us a sneak peek into Book book 2, what's going to
1: happen? Oh. Uh, you know what? I'm going to quote my publicity material here. It, <laughs> finally, it can finally serve some use. Let's see. Um, uh, eldest, Book 2 of the Inheritance Trilogy is the continuing adventures of Aragon and Safira. as they travel through the land of Alagazia, and, well, basically they get in a lot of fights and try and stay alive and learn something in the process. Now, I understand that book two is not written from the point of view of Aragon. Oh, no, it is written from the point of view of, oh, of Aragon. Oh, it is. Uh, what you're referencing, though, is that I do switch point of view in the, in the book to one or two other characters throughout the story, which I didn't do in the first book.
0: I imagine you must be getting quite a few offers from colleges as well, enticing you to come to them.
1: Actually, not yet. Um, but when I was in the middle of Aragon, uh, trying to trying to get it finished up, uh, I did apply to Reed College in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I'd always planned to go to college. My my family is, you know, learning. We consider learning very, very important. And actually, my grandmother on my dad's side is a Dean of Comparative or Professor of Comparative Literature in University of Houston. So I'd always planned to go to college, and I applied to read College, and I was fortunate enough to get almost a full scholarship. Uh, but then it came down to a choice of going or finishing the book, and I just put so much work into Aragon at that point that I couldn't, I couldn't afford to give it up.
0: Do you think it, that there it, are it, advantages in the
1: college application process to being homeschooled? Well, I mean, there were some disadvantages that, you know, I didn't have a lot of the extracurricular activities that um, a av- available during high school that many high school kids do, so I couldn't list that on my, uh, you know, among the things I did. Uh, I don't know if being homeschooled helped me get in, but, uh, you know, I-, I-, I like to think it did. I kind of took an unusual approach to... Uh, to applying instead of the usual essay, you know, why do you want to come to our college? And I set out and I wrote down and I said, well, you know why I want to come to your college. The question is, why do you want me to come to your college? And so I wrote the whole essay trying to convince oh, very them why clever. they should have me come to their college. And uh, it seemed to have worked. Christopher? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, can you tell us if Murtag and Aragon are brothers? <laughs> I'm dying to know that, too. <laughs> you
1: know what? I'll tell you this. Read book two and book three, and then I'll be more than happy to tell you. <laughs> no, no, no special sneak peeks for your
0: homeschooling
1: fan club? Nope. You know, there's only three people in the entire world who know what happens in the next two books. My sister, my agent, and the guy that's working on the screenplay for the movie.
7: Well, what about 200 more?
1: Not even not You don't mind.
4: <laughs> can't do it. I'd yeah, love have, to, but I, I can't. Um, not even your mom?
1: Nope, not even my mom or dad. Wow. Um.
0: <laughs> okay, we have just a few more minutes um, open up uh, for questions. Okay, okay I do you question. know when hey. auditions are going to start for um, the
1: movies? Uh, do you do I know when they're going to...
2: Like the auditions so that people can come and try out for
4: different parts of the movie?
1: Uh, no, I don't know when auditions will start for the movie.
4: So you don't know okay. who's playing Aragon.
1: <laughs> no, no um, there's there's at this point there's still there's still uh the screenplay in as good of a shape as possible.
0: Who
3: would you play like to yourself. play
1: Aragon? <laughs> no, I don't want to play Aragon myself. Yeah, uh, if you I, had I've a choice, in, who would
4: you
1: like? Uh definitely an unknown actor. Huh. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, would
2: Aragon be made into a game? A video game?
1: <laughs> yes, there's a de- there's a, there's a good possibility it'll be made into a video game. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think is very cool.
0: Christopher, let's do uh, let people know where they can go to find out more information. I really like your website, Allegasia.com. So, everyone, pull out a piece of paper and a pencil if you can. Also, the um, uh, era, the book, Aragon, it sounds like everyone has read it, but if you not, it is available for $13 um, from Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. And if you come to homeschool.com, we have a link that will sta- take you straight over to the ordering page. We also have uh, a link that will let you listen to the audio version of Aragon, which I really enjoyed. In fact, I think I liked the audio version even better than the book.
1: The guy who read the book, uh, Gerard Doyle, did a wonderful job.
0: Wasn't it fabulous?
1: The the only thing I might have changed was uh, his voice voice for Sephira. Yes. but, But on the whole, I think he did an absolutely awesome job.
0: So anyone who wants to hear an audio clip of that, very welcome to. We have a link for that. So com. Christopher, can you um, give us the uh, information on where they can go to join the fan club and where they can go to get onto your website?
1: Oh, boy. Well, I don't have a personal website myself, uh, but com is the official website for the book where all the news for Aragon and uh, my tour that, information please? is available. Uh, there's also... We will. There's also an Aragon fan site, and now I'm going to find the address for this right now. Yes, and let's spell dot Aragonfan.com. Yeah, Aragonfan.com is the Aragon fan yeah, site, um, which is a wonderful resource. And there's some other wonderful fan sites available on the web. Uh, and. and I think they might also like to subscribe to your newsletter.
0: I've enjoyed uh, reading about your book tour and and the wonderful people that you've been meeting.
1: Yes, and then there's a newsletter which is available from Allegasia.com, where I give I give monthly updates on what's been going on, uh, where I'm going, and interesting tidbits. Uh, Would you spell Allegasia for us, please? Sure. Allegasia is A L A G A E S -S I A. dot com. And you
0: could subscribe to the newsletter once you get to Allegasia.com. Correct. Excuse me?
1: Hello? Yes? Um, what kind of music will be used for the movie? What kind of music? Well, <laughs> obviously that's partially up to the composer, but I would assume it would be some sort of classical music uh, or classical style of music like was used for Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter.
5: Mm-hmm. When is the new edition of the first book going to be out?
1: I believe that's coming out in September, Mm -hmm. uh, to coincide with the release of the paperback version of the latest Harry Potter book. Uh,
5: Do you sell signed copies of the book anywhere?
1: Uh, Excuse me?
5: Do you sell signed copies of your book?
1: Do I sell signed copies? Yes. No, I don't personally. Um, Any copies that you would like to be signed, you can send it to, to Knopf, my publisher at Random House. And uh, the the staff there at Kanoff will forward the book to me, and I'll sign it, and we'll ship it back to you. Uh, you How can they find the address, address for that, Christopher? Uh, the address of Kanoff is listed inside the book. Uh, I don't have it on me
5: personally right now.
1: Oh, that's you, of course in the beginning of the book. Bu- in the beginning yeah. of the book.
5: Yeah. You answer all your fan mail? Uh, I I do. Uh-huh. I
1: do. Uh, it Takes a while sometimes, but uh, it's it's fun to do. You have patience. Oh, excuse me.
5: Hello.
0: Yes, please go ahead. Um, where did you get the idea for Aragon?
1: Ooh. Ooh, interesting question. Uh well, the idea I can't for hear Ara- anything, huh? uh, The idea I from Aragon obviously came from many different sources. Uh but I was specifically inspired by a book called Jeremy Thatcher Dragon Hatcher <laughs> by Bruce Coville. Okay. Yeah. And uh, for those of you who haven't read it, uh it's about a young boy in this world who goes into this beat-up old shop and buys a stone that ends up hatching a dragon. And I loved that idea so much that I started thinking, uh, just it wouldn't get out of my head, and I just started thinking, you know, well, where, what kind of a land would a dragon egg come from? And, and who would find a dragon egg? And since dragon eggs can't be all that common, who else would be looking for a dragon egg? And those three questions just asking them and then trying to answer them resulted in aragon. So, I hope that answers your question. Christopher, what was the name of that book
5: you said that you were reading?
1: Uh Jeremy Thatcher Dragon Hatcher.
0: Jeremy Thatcher?
1: Dragon Hatcher. Yes. The
0: author is
1: uh
7: Bruce Coville. Um Christopher, what are the odds of us um seeing Brom again in any of the future books? <laughs> uh
1: <laughs> Well, I, I I can think I can say with pretty much a hundred percent certainty that Brahm is dead. Oh. Unfortunately, my dad my dad messed with my brain at one point and said, well, you know, he's preserved in this crystal tomb, and maybe Aragorn could bring him back.
5: I,
7: I agree with your father.
1: Uh, but the problem with that is if you bring back one. Character from, from the dead, uh, then you have to consider everyone else who's died and said, well, say, well, why couldn't you bring them back as well?
7: Then let Brom bring himself back.
1: Oh no, I'm afraid Brom is quite, quite dead. Uh. Unfortunately.
2: That's <laughs> a very That's random question. Sure. Um, okay. Some claim that J.K. Rowling is considered the new Queen of England. Can you yourself be considered like the next President of the United States? Well, uh, <laughs> I know very very well. <laughs> I was talking about it with someone else.
1: <laughs> well, if that's so, you can all go into Amazon and and vote five stars for Aragon.
0: <laughs>
3: well,
1: thank you
0: very
3: much. Already
1: done.
0: We'll begin to wrap things up. Thank you, everyone, for coming in to. Thank you.
5: Thank you for
0: making yes, this thank available. Thank,
5: thank you. all very you much. much. Thank you, Christopher. Thank Bob, you. Uh, thank thank you. you. Can I ask
2: one final yes. question? Excuse me. Uh. I was wondering—it's probably a dragon—but uh, what would be your favorite mythical creature?
1: <laughs> yeah, you oh, nailed dragon, it, a dragon. A dragon. Dragon. It would have to be a um, dragon. I love dragons. Always wanted to fly on one. Be- I have. A- sure.
0: Third, a quick commercial, if I may, for Homeschool.com. <laughs> I want to invite everyone <laughs> to become uh, product testers for homeschool.com. Uh, we'll have information for that coming up this summer. So any of you who are interested can can test uh, video games, on, curriculum, right? reading materials, uh, uh, Legos, right? a variety of different products for homeschoolers, and you can give your advice on those. And if you enjoyed uh, this type of teleclass experience, um, please take a look at homeschool.com this summer because we're going to be offering a homeschooling how-to classes, uh, homeschooling through high school, homeschooling on the younger child, uh, just a different variety of teleclasses that you can participate in. So
1: thank you again,
0: uh, Christopher, for being with us. What a very fun experience, the first time we've ever done this.
1: Oh, my pleasure, and uh, I just want to thank everyone for coming and listening to this. And, uh, you know, everyone, you know, thumbs up to homeschooling all around. It's uh, a wonderful thing, and, and kudos to all you parents out there who have the, the courage to try it. Um, and, you know, as Aragon himself would say, uh, it's the owner, Sverdar Sitya Havas. Well,
0: say on the count of three, sister. everyone, say good luck to Christopher for book two. One, good good, luck. good, luck. And good luck. Good luck. Thank you. Good luck. Thank, you. Good luck. Thank you very good much. Luck.
2: Bye-bye. Thank you and good luck, buddy. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye.
7: Bye. can I find your address? Excuse me?
3: I to, to
1: send
7: please. you a letter.
1: Uh, the best way to get in contact with me is to write uh, write to me in care of Knopf, my publisher at Random House, and Thank they'll you. forward the mail directly to me.
2: Hey, this might have been asked already, but how how did you manage to convince the publisher to to take on your book? I mean, I've heard they don't really do that very often.
1: <laughs> well, I, I was lucky enough that an author who was who was published by this uh, company, uh, Carl Hyacinth. He was vacationing in Montana, and his son read a copy of the book and loved it so much that his dad recommended it to. Oh, you got
2: vouched for. Oh, that's easy. that's
1: right. It was wonderful. Oh, uh, <laughs>
2: uh, all right. Are you planning um, on? I have oh, a question, um, Christopher. Yes. Um, what would you suggest? Would you um suggest typing out a, a book or just handwriting it?
1: Well, you know what? I do both methods. I wrote the first sixty pages of Aragon in cursive and then I ended up doing the rest of the book pretty much in the computer, uh, since I didn't know how to type when I started. <laughs> uh, and I still nowadays, you know, last night I was writing by hand. This morning I typed it in, now I'm working on the computer for the rest of the day. So, I guess it would make it easier if you have it uh, out on paper to add notes on the side, right? But, you know, whatever works. Whatever ah. works. I have separate files for my notes on the computer, so that since I have about 120 pages of notes. so Wow. Yeah, it adds up after a while.
3: Are you planning on having any kids, and are you going to homeschool them? (laughs) (laughs)
1: You know, uh, if I do have kids, I definitely plan on homeschooling them someday. I wouldn't do it any other way.
2: Why'd you kill Brahm?
1: Why did I kill Brahm? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. good question. Oh, well, I hated to do it, but for two reasons. Uh, The first of all is that if Brahm had stayed alive, he would have continued to do things for Aragon, because he was better at them. And Aragon would never completely grow up Wrong. until he had a chance to, you know, fight and learn and, and struggle on his own.
2: Ah, uh, okay. Yes. Killing the mentor, that's always fun.
1: Yeah, that's what my sister says.
2: Hey, excuse me. Did you ever grow up with a dog or something?
1: I have two pets. Uh, a dog named Annie, who's a wonderful mutt and who terrorizes all the little furry things around here and we have a cat named Otis and we used to have a cat named uh, Milo but uh, he died quite a while ago
2: what?
1: yeah aw. we have aw. cat we
2: we have like two cats, Ping and Pong our do- our dog loves to tackle them <laughs> like, yeah
1: yeah play football oh,
3: are you planning on coming to
6: Alaska?
1: You know, I used to live in Alaska. Wow. I uh, actually used to live in Anchorage. Is Twice. it cold there? Twice no less. You live in
6: Anchorage?
1: Really? Well, then you know what I'm talking about. Uh there I don't I don't plan to come to Alaska anytime uh within the within the year, but maybe when book 2 comes out, uh my publisher might send me up there to do some book signing.
2: Uh, hey, if you ever looked at the Aragorn fans that I like, I'm the person
1: who asked if you'd ever come to Puerto Rico. Would you ever consider that? <laughs> you know, I, my dad just read me your, your uh, post. Uh, oh. Was it yesterday, day before? I, th- I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, m- most of where I go is up to my publisher. And also, you know people who ask the publisher to send me places. Huh. Uh, so the publisher gets all these requests, and then they decide where to send me, depending oh. on how much the people beg. <laughs>
3: um,
1: you know, no one ever comes here. You know, right. and that that might be reason enough to get you know, get me down there.
0: Cool. I've heard that the book tours can be pretty exhausting. Was it hard on you, or was it okay? I mean, you've taken three of them.
1: Gulags. They're brutal. Oh, um, I mean, on one hand, it's it's wonderful to meet the people who have enjoyed the book and supported it, you know, the teachers, the librarians, the sellers, and the fans. Uh, but the schedules of the book tour themselves are absolutely horrendous. Um, oftentimes, it's three, three cities in two days wow. uh, or more. And, of course, those early morning flights where you have to get to the airport by, you know, six in the morning or something.
0: How did you like Jay Leno and David Letterman? Were they nice?
1: Well, actually, I wasn't on Jay Leno, but uh, I, I was on David Letterman and the Today Show. I didn't get to see uh, talk with Letterman very much, but uh, he was very nice and uh, very tall, very large man. Oh. Uh, and the thing that you can never tell on television when you watch the show is that the band on the show is deafening at a rock concert level. Oh, really? Yeah, It's. Uh, uh, it kind of shocked me, actually.
0: You mentioned on the David Letterman interview that you uh, had given yourself a sword to celebrate the success of the book, and that you have your own forge at home.
1: That's right. That's right. Uh, I got myself uh, a replica of a Viking sword from the Battle of Stiklestad in 1036 A.D., <laughs> and I, ha- I have built myself uh, a forge out here. And actually, we, uh, we just got our stove replaced in our house, so I got, took our old stove, and I'm turning that into my new forge right now.
0: Did they give you quite a bit of media coaching for these interviews?
1: Not really. I spent uh I mean on what because I spent an entire year promoting the self published version of Aragon, I made pretty much all the mistakes I was gonna make, uh in in places where it didn't get national attention. And then when it came time for uh for the random house version of the book, uh, you know, they my publicist sat down with me, went over a few things, basically brushed up on uh on some points on speaking in public, but uh no other than that. I didn't really they didn't really bother with too much training.
0: So you were pretty comfortable with those interviews?
1: Well, I'm not saying I'm comfortable, but I can do them.
0: <laughs> I guess you really have to too if you want to have a best-selling book. It oh. isn't enough just to write a great book, but you really have to promote it.
1: Yeah, it's, and it's two different skills. I mean, writing a good book and being able to promote it, uh one's, you know, literature, the other one's showmanship. And I'm lucky enough that uh, I I happen to do fairly well with both both areas of that.
0: Did you really go out with your father for a year
1: mm-hmm. traveling
0: across the country speaking at schools?
1: Yeah, we do. I did over 135 events, and most of which, as you mentioned, I did in in uh, medieval costume, and uh, it was very intense and uh very time consuming but it was fun as well because that was when i first i really got to see the the fans and the readers of the book and how people were were falling in love with it
0: how old were you at that point uh 18 18 and how many eight, copies 18 of the and book 19. Eight, and how many copies of the book self published
1: had you um sold i'm actually not allowed to tell
3: uh, oh, interesting.
1: Sworn to secrecy by my contract with Knopf, uh, huh. but I can tell you that we sold as many or more than many than many regular hardcover releases.
0: And this was part of the time when your whole family was behind the book, and all your financial resources were geared towards
1: it. Correct. Going um, out on that tour. I w- I would do anything to sell a book then. I I I did What's a wrong? book signing at a grocery store once.
3: Uh,
1: I once arm wrestled a guy to sell him a book. <laughs> And I won, too, no less. Uh, I um, I met a woman once who, she loved Aragon Aragon so much, she named her pet tarantula after Sephira. Oh,
2: my
1: gosh. It was kind of scary, actually. Here's Sephira, here's Sephira, and here's this huge spider. It must have been a great bonding
0: experience for you and your father. And my mom. She took me some places as well. Oh she did too. Yep. Yeah. I wish then, we could have interviewed your mother and Angela and your father. I would love to speak with them
1: too. <laughs> well, I my our family's pretty protective of their privacy. So uh but yeah, I mean and then actually once we were on the road more and more, my mom ended up staying home to help arrange the events because uh, we were having so many requests for me to appear at various places.
0: What is um Angela up to these days? What big plans does she have?
1: Well, she's finishing up her first fantasy novel, Ethan, uh which has been a major project for her, and she's quite near the end of it. And Will you vouch for her? Excuse me?
2: Will you vouch for her?
1: I will once I read the book. All right. <laughs> uh, she's been working on it for a couple of years, and she hasn't allowed anyone to read it.
0: Uh. Does she uh, want to self-publish it, or does she want to go the um, publishing route?
1: Well, she's going to go the publishing route probably simply because there's no need for her to go the self-published route. Uh, okay. Our agent is is very willing and eager to look at the book. So that, that will definitely be a, a help for her.
2: Do you ever feel overwhelmed with writing and want to give up?
1: Occasionally, uh, well no, I never want to give up writing. Sometimes I may want to take a break from it or, uh, do something else for a while, but I never want to give up writing. Uh, I love telling stories. And, uh, that's, you know, that's what I want to do. And, you know, w- whether I do it with movies or music or writing, however it happens to be, I love telling stories. And um, this
3: might, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. might
1: be
2: a bit of a question, this might be a bit of a question just, uh, kind of edged in sideways here, but, um, well, two part question too. When you first started writing this book, did you like expect it to become this big, or was it just something you wrote for fun?
1: I wrote for fun. fun? I, I I didn't. I never thought it was going to be published, and I never thought it was. I certainly didn't think it was going to be a bestseller. Uh, I, I mean, I almost quit the book a couple of times because I thought it was so horrible, <laughs> and it was only my parents who said, you know, we've seen you work on work on this, we've seen the energy you've put into it, we really think you need to finish it, and their encouragement kept me going. I mean, there was one point I actually decided that I was going to abandon the book and go off to read college. Well, uh, well I mean, I'm very I, glad you I did. had the orientation papers on my desk, so it 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 really was on a on a. On the as they say, on the edge of the razor for a while, wow,
0: you're living at home now. Do you have plans to move out on your own any time in the future, or
1: are you just kind of enjoying hanging with your family? Well, until I get see i'm i'm <laughs> I'm not in college right now, I'm in a deadline and in contract. And until I finish the next two books of the trilogy I really don't have time to do pretty much anything else. And mm-hmm. moving would be far too disruptive to to contemplate at this point. Well with but the royalties you can definitely pay for it, can't you? Well, that that I am self sufficient at this point. Mm. Uh but I probably... Once the trilogy is done, I may consider, you know, doing something a little bit different, uh, traveling a little bit, reading a lot more. Uh. Uh, but I'm I'm pretty much locked up until the trilogy's is finished. Uh. Are
2: you going to add another dragon in your books?
1: Well, I don't think it's giving away too much by saying that the cover of book two is a giant, brilliant, absolutely gorgeous, and rather menacing red dragon. Cool. And book three has a green we... dragon on the front. Uh,
2: okay, just taking off on the Dragon letters of Perns debacle... That goes on. Is the cover of uh, Aragorn, is that really what Sephira looks like, or is that you had something different in mind?
1: That is not how Sephira looks. No? It's okay. a very pretty cover, but it's nothing like what Sephira looks.
2: Okay, I, I was hoping she all didn't right. really have that big chin.
1: No, no, no. I drew the dragon <laughs> eye on the inside of the book, and that's a little more of what I thought it, her eye might look like. Ah. Uh, right. So no, no. that it, It's a beautiful cover, but it's oh, yeah. not what Sephira actually looks like. Um, um, Christopher?
3: Yes. Um, I'd just like to say that, um, I've read a lot of books, and so far, Aragon has been the best book I've read.
7: Well, thank you.
1: Oh, that's- thank you. Well, that's nice. Thank you. I can't ask for anything better.
7: <laughs> Christopher, is there anything you'd like, um, to contribute or, like, see me put up on com? Uh...
1: Hey, if you could get a copy or a JPEG of the what the original co- cover of the the self-published yep. book looked like, mm-hmm. uh, that that would be great to see up. Yep. Uh, I I did like that cover a lot.
7: Yeah. Yeah, I did like that one too.
1: Um. Uh, that that's about it. Okay. Thank you. What
2: um self-publishing advice could you get for teen writers?
1: Ooh. Uh... Well, self-publishing is not, I mean, it's not easy. I mean, it requires many different skills. You have to be able to do graphic layout. You have to do editing. You have to understand the financial details of of the the process. Uh, There are a lot of very good books out on the market that explain how to uh, self-publish. You can find a lot of them in your local uh, Barnes & Noble or some other large bookstore or on Amazon. What do you say about... um Excuse me? Print on and demand. what uh,
2: publicity advice could you give um, teens who've already self-published their book and are Okay, I'll, I'll answer both published. of
1: those questions. Uh, Print-on-demand is is very good if you're self-publishing because it means that you only print the number of books that you actually need at one time. Right. And uh, yeah, and I I do recommend it. it. It worked well for us.
2: Excuse me, can I take that as you self publish first and then you have the book picked up by a publisher? Yes. Okay.
1: Um, But as far as publicity, I mean, publicity is hard to get when you're a small publisher. Uh, I found it was much easier to get publicity in small towns where you're much bigger of news than in a place like, uh, say, Houston. So I would go into a small town. I'd arrange to do a presentation at the local school or library. And then I would call the papers and the the radio shows and the television stations and say, you know, this is who I am and this is what I'm doing, and would you be interested in writing a story about it? And that's pretty much how I got my publicity. Um, Christopher. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, well, I'm I've been reading lots of books and uh books not books. Um <laughs> Yeah, I kind of do that. Um but I came across the name Arya in it and it wasn't Aragon. And really? Aragon.
1: Did it happen to be a David Eddings book?
2: No, it was a uh, George R. R. Martin.
1: Actually, I have not read any of George R. R. Martin. Uh However, I did come across the name of Arya in a David Eddings book recently, and my only, the only thing that uh, saved me from complete embarrassment was the fact that he published his book after Aragon. Okay. Um, no, I I took the name Arya. I simply modified Arya as in as in you know uh, an opera. The aria of an opera or something a song
0: uh-huh.
1: have there been any disadvantages
0: to becoming famous
1: <laughs> not really um I mean there's been a lack of i mean there's certainly you lose some privacy, but that you know that's not something you can really complain about with all the advantages. Um, no one's
2: asking any questions at the moment. I think I have one. This kind of turned into a bit of a... Almost a little debate on the Aragorn front, But I just kind of, like, snucked up before it turned into an argument. But I always kind of thought that... Um even though I really couldn't finish reading the book uh, right away because it was a borrowed book,
4: mm-hmm.
2: I think I think I got to the part where um, I, I believe Suffer would have been like eight months old or so. I always thought of, thought she was sounded very old for how young she was in the real world. I mean, that kind of put it up to the fact that maybe her egg was around longer than she was actually around and heard more.
1: Is, could that well, work? Well, her, her egg was... I don't know for certain exactly how old her egg is. I mean, I would have to sit down and actually figure that out, but I do know for certain... The Galbatorix had her egg in his possession for at least a hundred years or so. Uh,
2: okay. And so she could hear while she was in the egg, right?
1: Hey. Well, I'm not, su- I'm not sure exactly how conscious she was, but she was. I mean, she was attuned to the minds and the consciousnesses around her, which is, of course, how a dragon chooses his or her rider. And there is also the possibility of the dragons having a bit of a collective consciousness, if you will, or, uh, yeah, almost, you know, like uh, uh, instincts, if you will, that are passed from one dragon to the next, or you just, they're born with.
2: Racial memories.
1: Yeah, racial memory a bit, and that's dealt with some more in in. All right, two.
2: yeah, I figured that maybe Saphira as herself was old, but her egg was, I mean, Saphira as herself, she was young, but her egg was old.
3: Yeah. And so well, she would have heard, heard,
2: heard, been able to listen, because she, yeah, I know she spoke with, spoke with very good diction. <laughs> oh, yes, oh, yes.
3: All right. Um, okay, thank
2: you. How old is Galbatrox? Uh, is Galvatore... At least
1: 100. <laughs> Excuse me? He's at least 100. Yeah, he's about 120 years old or so. Uh, th- yeah, that's about right. Do,
5: do you think some print-on-demand books are rip-offs?
1: Uh, are rip-offs?
5: Like do you think that the like do, is it worth it? Uh
1: well, do you mean are the books worth it? Are
5: the companies that print the books worth it? yeah, like sometimes do they like take your money and they don't produce good quality books?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh it does happen. Uh, do you know of any
5: good print on demand books publishers? The best thing you can do that's <sighs> publish there.
1: No, well, the best thing you can do is do a little bit of research. You can simply go onto Google and start doing some searches for print on demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that Ingram, which is one of the best, biggest book distributors in the country, right. uh, runs a print on demand service, which uh, is is worth using because they that automatically links you into Amazon and uh, any bookstore can order your book through through Ingram. Then, if it's print on demand,
5: have you ever heard of Publish America?
1: Uh, I believe so. See and I see the public the print on demand company that I that is a division of Ingram, I believe actually prints the book for all the, prints the book for all the other print on demand companies.
5: Thank you. Sure. I have a question. I have a question. Sure. Uh, have you always liked to write or did it just become something you enjoy later on in school or fans? No, my... <gasps>
1: Sorry. It wasn't something I really consciously enjoyed until I I started deciding to write stories. But my my mom and my dad were both very uh, they made they they definitely made sure that we did a lot of writing growing up, a lot of writing and a lot of reading. And uh, it's not like they forced us to write, but you know, they'd find subjects that we were interested in and then, you know, get a bunch of books from the library and have us, you know, let us read about it and then maybe one day if I were for example interested in Egypt, Mom might have me write a paragraph or two about the pyramids, and the next day she might have me draw a picture of the pyramids, and the day after that she might have me write another paragraph about uh, King Tut or something. And so I kind of a up, unit
0: studies approach.
1: Yeah, so I grew, and then at the end of the week, Mom would take the all the little pieces I'd written, and she'd bind them together into a little book, a little booklet, and then you could show that you know to the relatives or to the the rest of the family or you could go back and read it yourself. Uh, so we 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 did a lot of writing growing up. Thank
7: you. Um Christopher, mhm you mentioned the um the red dragon and the green dragon and um there's a lot of speculation as to uh who the new dra- uh, the new riders will be. Would you be able to tell us if um they could perhaps be Martag and um Ira er-
1: this is one point of the book that I absolutely will not divulge. This, 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 I, I, I might be yeah, that would, that would to depend on others, but this is the one I absolutely will not budge on. So sorry. That's uh, okay. Can
2: you tell us their names? Uh, the dragons? Yeah.
1: Can't. I haven't invented them yet.
0: Ooh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that might be useful. Uh,
3: Do you have any you know, idea what they might be?
0: What? I hope we're not keeping you too long. We still have 50 people on the call. No one wants to let you go. That's Okay. You're it's a okay. good sport. We sure appreciate it. Yeah. Wow.
2: Christopher, if it for you, you guys, ever get guys, I be able to
0: write book two?
3: <laughs> Christopher. Mhm. Um, I'm probably. Um, I'm guessing that. Uh, you know how that. Uh, the the dragon came out of the, uh, the stone. Um, did the other dragons come out of um stones as well, or were they like, or did they evolve from other things?
1: No, the see the stones are are dragon eggs, and all the dragon eggs are are like stones. So yes, they will come out of stones like Sephira.
2: Okay, um, oh, um, yeah. Are you gonna have any more female heroes?
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Other than, other than Arya. Oh yes, I actually did a, a count recently. I found out I have more female characters than male ones. <laughs> so. All right, that's good to know. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, hey, growing up in a in a family with, well, from my point of view, I'm outnumbered by women in my household because of mom and my sister. Girl. Uh, yeah,
2: well, the only male in my household is a cat, so
1: Ah, there, <laughs> there you go. You go. The Actually, cat. if you're interested in books um, with some interesting female characters, there's a number of books written by the author Robin Hobb. She's a very good author, and I, I definitely recommend her work. And then there's also Wild Seed by Octavia Butler. Oh yeah. That's another okay. Very yeah. interesting and, un- and unusual fantasy science fiction book. I love that book.
7: Now, Christopher, mm-hmm. on the topic, um, a lot of us while waiting for Aragon are looking for fantasy books um, to read. Could you recommend any?
1: Uh, Well, I believe I mentioned the book Magician by Raymond E. Feist. That's highly recommended. Uh, Let me see. What else? Well, The Wizard of Earthsea Trilogy by Ursula Le Guin.
7: Could you repeat
0: that, please? Mm
1: -hmm. The Wizard of Earthsea Trilogy. (gasps) Yeah. Um, The Gormengost book by Mervyn Peake.
0: Spell that, would you please?
1: Oh, God, I can't. (laughs) Say it again slowly, slowly, then. It's it's as bad as it sounds. Uh, Mervyn is with a Y, and Peek has an E on that. And those are his only books, so you'll be able to find them without too much trouble.
2: Um, Christopher? Yes. Will we find out more about Br- Brom's past in the next book? Of course. Yay! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, will we our ever... <laughs> well, excuse me? I think there has been a recurring nightmare that there will be a Star Wars moment where Aragorn finds out that Galvatrix is his father.
1: (laughs) Okay. No, this is one thing I can divulge without any problem. Galbatorix, and you can quote me on this, is not, never was, and never will be Aragorn's father.
3: Yay. Oh, that's good to know. (laughs) No cliché
1: action there. Oh, don't worry. I have other clichés. Oh, yeah, oh, Those sorry. are fun.
2: <laughs> yes. My sister seems to think that Ram is Aragorn's father. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and my lips are sealed. Uh, can you hold on one moment? I have a cat that's bothering me. I have to let out. Okay. <laughs> one second.
2: Star Wars nightmare. <laughs> my cat is always, always bothering me. I have three. Cars. I have, I have uh, five. Whoa, five? Well wow. my parents are we have six. Two and one's nineteen. Yeah, I have like two Siamese and one um thing yeah. I found. Yep Devin Rats. You I hear a cocoon and he's really annoying, he's loud and he screams and Sounds like my cat. <laughs> one of my cats. I have this other cat, he's he's, he's this huge cat, he's like like, 12 pounds, and he's got this itty-bitty nothing voice. I have a fat cat, she's 25 pounds. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, mine, it's embarrassing, because he's this big cat, he's big when anyone picks him up, but he sounds absolutely tiny, it's really
5: embarrassing. I have a (laughs) (laughs) fish.
2: Anyone here have pet turtles? I used to have a turtle. I used to, I used to. Oh, cool. I have turtles on the side of the the road. I died in, like, third grade, though. You know what? You know what I ended up... I have a pet lizard that the cat's brought in, and he's kind of a pet. Now, guess what I named it.
3: Oh, what? God.
2: I'm back. Hello. i for the delay, but when a cat wants to go out... <laughs> the cat wants to go out. <laughs> and the cat wants to go out. That's right. That is the fear. Oh, okay. Here's one that's been interesting to me. Uh, how did you come up with your names? Uh,
1: Which... Well, all the names? Yeah, well, you know, just uh,
2: random words that you thought up, or
1: did Ooh. you play around on a name generator? Now, that's an interesting... That's an interesting question. Um... Some my names come from three different sources, primarily. Uh, some of them are completely invented, mm-hmm. and those the invented names sometimes are drawn from my the languages I created from the book, the ancient language and the dwarf language. Sometimes the ergo language. Uh, the rest of my la- invented names are usually word plays, uh, such as Saphira is of course a play on sapphire. Aragon is dragon with one letter changed, and uh, and of course it also means you know era gone by. So it has two double meaning. Uh, and some of my invented names are jokes as well. Uh, Aragon's horse is named Cadoc. Hello? Uh, hello. Hello.
3: Uh,
1: Aragon's hello. Aragon's horse is, no, horse keep is keep named Cadoc, which is actually a codex hello. spelled backwards. Oh. And uh, the town of Yazooak is an anagram for the Yakuza, the Japanese m- mafia. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> the
2: Japanese mafia. And, uh, okay. There's a few
1: more hidden in the book if uh, anyone can find them. Well, that should be that should be a, a fun challenge, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the rest of my names come from usually come from real languages. Then. Well, that's what we do in social studies. Sit there and pick all the names. <laughs> well, but I, I confine my names usually to uh, Norse, Germanic, yeah, Icelandic, and Russian sources.
0: Yeah, did uh, you teach yourself ancient Norse?
1: <laughs> no, no. I cannibalized ancient Norse. Uh, I myself do not speak on ancient Norse or really... I, I understand some of this, but I, oh, I basically sorry. picked... Picked words from it and uh, used 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 the words to form my own language and my own grammar for the ancient language. And of course, the dwarf language was invented completely from scratch. From scratch. Uh, actually, the name of Galbatorix. Speaking of of names, Galbatorix comes from Welsh, and Torix means big. No, no, Torix means king. And Galba means big, so he's the big king. <laughs>
2: well, that's cool. I've always imagined him as a fat guy or something like that.
1: Oh no, no, he's he's not fat at all. I didn't mean it fat, is, but, uh, I mean, like, yes, with, but I needed to be like big. Yeah, big. I was of a picture as
3: having you know red sister, black mustache. <laughs> Did you get any of that? Excuse <laughs> me, um, Christopher? Yes.
2: Will we come across any more exotic creatures or anything in the next few books?
1: Uh, well, I don't I don't believe in having a fantasy world with more than just a few fantasy elements, because the more it relates back to our world, the more believable it is.
2: Yeah.
1: However, that said, there are some more fantastical creatures that we, we see some more of, where we learn some more of about on the, the trip, or Aragorn's journey.
2: You won't have any unicorns, will you?
1: No, no. Okay, okay. Good, good. I was just like
2: hoping, like, no. Dragons and unicorns tend to run together.
1: I'm like, oh no, maybe not here. I laughed because in the first draft, I I was thinking about having a unicorn and then decided not to. Oh, okay. Uh, And also, in especially in book two, we learn more about exactly what the Razak are. The what? Uh, The Razak, the creatures that kill. Well, someone
2: breathed at the same time you said that, so we couldn't hear you.
1: Ah.
7: Um, Christopher. Yeah, don't breathe. Could you explain to us a little, like, about werecats, like Solomon? Bum?
1: What do you want to know?
7: Um, well, how he can just change into the boy. Um, does that, does it, like, have to do anything with, like, how werewolves change, like, on the full moon, or can they just change when they want?
2: Actually, the full moon and the werewolf things actually a That They really could change any time they want. That, that doesn't really relate
3: to them. Because, um, like, in Buffy, uh, I don't
1: know. <sighs> Well, historically, um, with with, uh, folklore and stuff, werewolves could only... Well, actually, no, I think you're right. I think in folklore, werewolves could change at any time. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not exactly sure on that point. But as far as the werecats, uh, werecats can change shape whenever they want to, although it does take a certain amount of strength and energy to do it. And it's it's related to um, magic, to an inherent skill with magic, just like Sephira has a certain skill with magic that she maybe can't control consciously and she doesn't use the ancient language but she can use magic to a certain degree uh such as when she turned bronze tomb into diamond uh so weird cats well again you you learn more about them in book 2 and 3 i'm not I'm not forgetting them they're too good of a character to to forget mm-hmm. uh but um i am very partial to weird cats <laughs> yeah. actually i'm i'm afraid i can't take the credit for inventing them that that belongs entirely to my sister. And uh, I, I stole the idea. But I did keep the weird cat with my sister in the book. I've heard that some people, when they're writing a book, they
0: get a, a big, thick book of blank pages, and at first they just kind of draw pictures, they draw the map of what their world's going to be. And then they will draw pictures of what the, the creatures look like and the plants mm-hmm. look like and the weapons and all of that, and then they finally develop it into a plot. Did you do something like that with yours, or did you just see the whole plot at the very beginning?
1: Well, as far as, uh, for example, weapons go, I'm extremely familiar with uh, weapons of many different eras, so I didn't have to go drawing pictures of various swords and catapults or anything like that. Uh, Actually, if I were starting the book from scratch now, I'd start by drawing a map right off the bat. But instead, when I began Aragon, I did it completely backwards. I just started writing the book yeah keep in mind i never thought it was going to be published uh, i started writing the book and began inventing locations and distances without any knowledge of how it might actually relate to each other and i finally got to the point when uh, actually when Aragon leaves Palankar valley and with bram and they're traveling down to Tiram, that i realized that i had to come up with a map i had to draw a map in order to figure out where everything was and so i didn't remain uh, completely confused about distances. Excuse me? And that's when I finally drew the map for Aragon. And once I did draw the map, the things that I drew on the map just to fill up the map ended up suggesting huge, huge plot points. Who's doing that? Uh,
0: <laughs> and that's why we're okay, hitting the air. On Hello? Well, we go. Can you please stop? There we go. Maybe use your mute button, perhaps. There we go.
1: So, for example, the the mountains, the Beor mountains, where the dwarves live. Uh, when I was drawing my map in the in the eastern section, the sou- southeastern section of the map, I knew I wanted mountains, so I just put these big these big upside down V's on the paper, and they were so much bigger compared to the little V's I put down for the spine that I was looking at the drawing and I was thinking, gee, what if I really did make the mountains? That big, ten miles high or something, and I did. And that's how that that whole aspect of the story ended up becoming created.
2: Um, is that just a question here? The the map you made that is in the front cover of the book is that the whole world or is that just one continent of the world?
1: It's just one part of the world. Oh, okay. In fact, my sister and I have joked that maybe uh, where her story takes place is on the other side of that world. Cool. Excuse yeah, me. That uh, would be kind of interesting. Nice tie-in though.
2: That'd be a great tie-in.
4: Excuse me. Like, well, that was the That thought, would be a yeah. great tie-in. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, Christopher. Mhm. Um, are you a good artist? Like, I heard you drew the cover, but I,
1: I don't, I don't know if you did. No, I didn't draw the hard, the cover you see nowadays. I drew the the book, uh, which is the Dragon Eye inside the hardcover edition, and I also drew the map. Uh, in fact, the special edition. The deluxe edition of Aragon which is coming out uh, this September is going to have an additional piece of art by me and I believe they chose a drawing I did of Zarok Aragon's sword oh that's cool yeah cool. I also did a drawing of the Fira flying in the night sky oh. they decided to save for something else I hate to be the bearer of bad news but I'm getting the
0: warning beep that the conference call is going to kick us off in Excuse four minutes Hello?
5: Excuse me? Yes,
0: hello? hello? That interference is coming from a cell phone. Oh. Ah. Oh, okay.
5: Who's on the cell phone?
0: Yeah, so if you're on a cell phone, that's where that's coming from. Okay. So last four minutes, guys. Yeah. All have right, all right. Excuse me? Hello? Hello,
7: Christopher? Hello? Well, yeah, I can hear you. Um, I had asked earlier about the mu earlier about the music for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, can I make a suggestion? Oh,
1: please do. <laughs> um,
7: I had noticed how one of the chapters in Aragon is entitled something like the Hall of the Mountain King. Oh yes. Um, there is a song by Edvard Krieg. Um, and I drew
1: that title from that.
7: You drew, you took that title from that.
1: Oh yes, I oh. I am a, I am a devotee of classical music. Ah. And it's my hope that whoever composes the music for Aragon will draw, use classical pieces for the majority of the movie. Oh, okay, thank you. In fact, although uh, the, the horrible thing is, I wrote some of the battle scenes while listening to Elvis. So
5: <laughs> there you go.
1: <laughs> Christopher? Yes.
2: Um, what does Zarok mean?
1: Ooh. Well, Aragon finds out in book two, but I don't want to tell you till you read it. The plot Hello, Christopher. Yes. Hello. Yes.
3: Oh, um, uh, what other music do you like besides classical?
1: Uh, say, sorry, say that again.
6: What other music do you like besides
1: classical? Uh, what other types of music do I like? Yeah. Uh, well, as I mentioned, I primarily like classical uh, and folk music. I listen. I really like Wagner's Ring Cycle. Uh, a lot of Verdi, uh, Brahms, Beethoven, Mozart, uh, the, the whole gamut. Hmm. So, uh, I, 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 I'm not a big fan of modern music. I
6: like modern. Uh, um, so, so if also, you are,
1: I apologize.
6: I also have another, uh, dad, well, I have a, an Aragon fan website called com. Yes, I've, and, I,
1: my dad showed it to me.
6: Ah, uh, and I was, I, I was wondering...
1: I was very impressed.
6: <laughs> thank you. I was wondering if, uh... Lom had anything to do with the word argitlam. If the, there's there's actually a word called argitlam, with an I right after the A.
1: I wasn't aware of that.
6: Because every time I type argitlam into Google, it always asks me if I want to go to that.
1: No, no, I didn't even. Hmm. Oh, that's pretty interesting. I'm no, I I found out though look. that Aragon, the the word Aragon, uh, not argitlam. That Aragon is actually an ancient Greek word that means energy. Good. <laughs> cool, cool.
6: It kind of fits.
2: Yeah. Hey, question out here. Um, when you started writing the characters, did they like end up writing themselves for you, or did you really have to think about everything they did?
1: Some sometimes they write themselves when you have a pretty good idea of how they might react in a given situation, and that familiarity usually comes just with writing them and thinking about them for a long time. Uh, But usually my best work and my best fiction comes when I have to sit and figure out some sort of new response, something they do that I didn't expect. Uh, The character of Angela the herbalist is like that. Um, And Safira too. She often does things that I hadn't predicted beforehand, and it takes me a long time to figure out what that might be. So it's a mixture.
2: So you just kind of, you know, go off on your own little spiel there and, you know, look at what comes out on the paper a few minutes afterwards?
0: Mm-hmm. hmm So, Christopher, is there anything we can all do to help you? <laughs> buy you the book. Yeah, uh, exactly,
1: exactly. We certainly are. Buy copies for your friends. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Actually, if there's anything you could do, it would just be to tell people about